Happy Monday. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. We're live on a Monday afternoon. Hope you're enjoying the start of your week. And it's a new week of podcasts. Only had one last week, but uh, I know it was one that got a lot of traffic because uh, it was about the Illinois basketball offseason. We will dive more into that as we get more news. Michael Tulip is going to have a live podcast with us on Tuesday afternoon. But today it's me, Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher with Joey Wagner. And Joey, we got some spring football to catch up on. We got some recruiting stuff we'll get to at some point, but this podcast is going to be the top 10 storylines of spring football. But I must shout out Mr. Wagner. Gave me a little time off. Got away with the family uh, to Vegas. I didn't do the Vegas thing. It was more of the family Vegas thing, uh, which was still necessary and needed. So Joey's been covering most of spring football so far. So so thank you, Joey. Problem, I do wish you would have done like the the full Vegas thing just with your family in town. <laughs> I, I don't know how well that would have gone over. Probably, understandably, not very. But that would have been a fun story to have you come back with. I'm not the as generate bo- Jeremy out on the town. I'm not as bold as Brett Barrons. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> throwing him out there. Um, no, but it was a good time. Um, wasn't that warm, but it was way warmer than it was here. Uh, but I got to spend a lot of time with the wife and kids. So that was what are enjoyable. the the top non. Um, Vegas Vegas options when you're out there because I honestly don't I just assume it's what I know Vegas to be yeah so my in-laws own a house out there it's like a half hour from the strip and uh the kids just love the pool man they, they'd be happy just doing that we hit up a, uh, a couple children's museums in Vegas so we did the children's museum tour of Vegas which was really solid uh one that blippy for all my dads out there and moms out there Blippi went to one of them, so we went to that one. My kids were really excited about that. Uh, hopefully, you never have to watch Blippi, Joey. But the I've heard. I think he was in Champagne. Like was he? Um, maybe it was the Excavator maybe, song. Maybe it Is was him. Yes, Excavator song. Um, yeah, it gets stuck in your head over and over and over again. Uh, we also did Circus Circus, where we did a lot of arcade games, stuff like that. Did get to go out with the in-laws. Went out with a wife one time, so got a little bit of that. But nah, I'm, I'm not a huge gambler anyway. Like, if I go to do the real Vegas thing, just put me at a pool and give me a bunch of drinks. That, that's all I need to enjoy, Joey. It was a good time. Absolutely. Though. It was a good time. Though. All right, so we want to break down the top 2023 Illinois football spring storylines. And Joey, maybe we can go back and forth here, but I do think the number one storyline of this team for me is year two of Barry Loney Jr. and this offense. We saw strides last year from Barry Loney Jr. in this offense, which is a part of the reason, a big part of the reason, Illinois was in a bowl game. Their defense was elite. Um, we can use that word, actually, because they were the number one scoring defense, number one passing efficiency defense, number one in interceptions. They're going to have several guys get drafted from that defense. Um, so the defense really carried this team for most of the year, but the offense did enough to get Illinois to a bowl game, unlike two years ago. They improved by 4.1 points per game, 3.5 first downs per game, and the passing game was just competent. Of course, we saw the offense struggle at times as well. The red zone numbers were not good. They weren't able to score enough touchdowns this season. Late in the season, um, they really weren't able to score many points outside that Northwestern game. So I I think year two is going to be interesting, Joey, about how they take leaps and what it looks like to take leaps because you lose an All-American running back. We'll dive into the personnel, but what are your thoughts about Barry Lunny year two, how they can improve? Probably, I mean, the red zone was something Barry Lunny brought. I mean, I remember last year we asked him pretty much every time we talked to him about how to how they would improve the red zone game to game, and he brought it up. I mean, that's that's something they're working on. 
and improving, they have to because they left quite a few points out on the board in that red area last season. But I think it's a passing game, Jeremy. And, and ideally, and as you've covered at length, uh, you know, having a, sec- a quarterback in his second year, like they attempted to get with Tommy DeVito, would have made you think, I don't know if you would think differently about it, I don't know. But uh, Luke Altmaier, I, I don't know that you and I are really covering this as if we believe it's a true quarterback competition. Right. Uh, so, so we think it's going to be Luke Altmaier. Uh, how much can you take a step forward in that passing game and not be so run heavy on uh, – just run heavy. Obviously, Chase Brown is gone. I think that's it, man. Like You've got to be more effective in the passing game. And we say that after it took a step uh, from the first season – Uh, under Tony Peterson that's a big one for me yeah this passing game under Tommy DeVito was efficient right for the most part it its completion percentage went up 18 percent from the year prior pass efficiency rating went up 29 points didn't throw a lot of the interceptions but he didn't throw enough touchdowns didn't have enough big plays in that passing game so that that's what you're looking for next and we'll get into that a little bit with the wide receivers but Barry Lundy talked a lot about how he made a big jump year two at UTSA. It was his first year back as an offensive coordinator at the FBS level. He was way early in his career. Uh, but just you have a lot of guys returning. Eight of the 11 starters in the ReliQuest Bowl are back on this team. Now, Chase Brown was not in the ReliQuest Bowl, and he's a big one uh, that was there. Of course, a couple offensive linemen there. Uh, but you return a lot of guys, and you return a lot of depth that knows the terminology, that knows the offense. Barry Lunny knows his personnel a lot better now so while you make a change at quarterback and we'll talk about that here in a second just the comfort of that offense you can get more into the nitty-gritty of this right away in spring ball rather than building up again now Barry does reteach everything but that always seems to help right when you look at what the the jump they made year one to year two defensively in the same scheme so you had the stat joe it's the first spring ball they've had the same offensive coordinator um you know at illinois since 2019 because 2020 spring ball didn't happen with rod smith there so that has some value and i imagine that's going to show up statistically but there is a lot of room for growth even though they had you know tangible growth last year it wasn't like they went from 110th in the country to 50th they went from 110th in the country to something like 80th, right? So they still have a lot of room for growth. And uh, there's a lot on Barry Lonnie, right? Uh, but he, what I like about Barry is is he takes a lot of accountability and a lot of responsibility for that, but he also has confidence that uh, he's going to get it done this year. Yeah, and I, I, to you, a couple points to build off of that. Barry Lonnie was asked, like, what's next for the offense? Little Ted Lasso Cup. Look at that, Jeremy. Yeah, saw uh, it at Walmart was... the other day. I had to get it. Oh, all right. Uh he was asked, like, what's next for the offense? And he said, basically, the ceiling of last year kind of becomes the floor of this year. And he, he said, look, no one mistake that as, like, a statistical, like, if we don't have X number of these yards, it's a failure or disaster. That's not the case. But in terms of growth, in terms of just the, the building on, on the offense, like, that is – that's what he means. And Isaiah Williams kind of – I asked myself, well, what does that – like, what does that look like, man? Like, how does that – play out and he basically said hey like think of it like you've been george mcdonald echoed it you've got 20 yards or 12 yards to make you know you, this is what you want to accomplish in this route for 12 yards those first 11 are yours like paint do whatever when you're talking isaiah williams that means make people miss or make people yeah. uncomfortable or get people on their heels but like you know the big picture and the rest is is kind of to maximize some of those talents within so 
Yeah, there, there is. There's still a lot of upward. And I, I know people got annoyed last year when we said, well, the offense has taken a step forward because it did leave a lot to be desired. Like, I yeah. think that's kind of the the balance there. It's like this offense stunk in 2021. It was terrible. And it's not like it had been particularly good before that. Uh, so a step forward is still something to say, hey, this is a good thing. But that doesn't mean like, yeah, don't worry about it. Every, the rest will play out like it. Like there's still room, and that, that's I think what Barry Lunny was saying when the ceiling becomes a floor. I feel like Michael Jordan at North Carolina is saying that right now. <laughs> yeah, there's nuance. It was a far better offense, considerably better, competent offense. It was not a good offense, right? Like it, it had a great player. Take Chase Brown off of there, and then <sighs> yeah, and, and we'll dive into some of those intricacies. Uh, if you want a little basketball break, Dane Danger just tweeted out. For those that are wondering, I will be staying. So. These player meetings are happening, Joey, and now we have Dane Danger and Luke Goody on the record that they are returning. A new part of the basketball offseason is the announce of, I am coming back um, for my second year at Illinois. Like, that's um, what we get now. So, But that's big news for Illinois basketball we'll dive into uh, on another podcast. All right, storyline number two for Illinois football. How do they replace Chase Brown. What does this running back rotation look like? And Joey, I know you talked with Thad Ward a little bit. You've talked with Barry Lunny. Um, I do think it's a rotation. It was meant to be a rotation last year of Chase Brown and Josh McCray, but Josh McCray's injury obviously made a big uh, dent in those plans, and they just rode Chase Brown and to 300-plus carries. Uh, I looked up a stat, Joey. The returning running backs. I think we think there's depth and some talent there. But there's not a lot of experience. Three total games of 70-plus rushing yards between all the returning running backs and nine total games of 10-plus carries. So while Josh McCray, Reggie Love have some experience, it's a largely untested group as lead backs. It is. And I thought Barry Lunny said something interesting, uh, the exact quote, when he was asked about, you know, do you anticipate a one-guy back like Chase Brown ultimately was? And to your point, Jeremy, before we get too far, like, it's clear to us that wasn't the goal. Josh McCray's injury uh, really skewed that. But then at some point, you got the nation's leading rusher, and like that, that makes sense to go that way. But he said, I don't know if necessarily last year was an ideal situation. I think it was unique in Coach Bielema's track record that we rely on one guy so heavily, in particular in the backfield. Part of that was due to we weren't healthy behind him throughout the course of the season as we would have liked to have been. There were games who were healthier than others. Obviously got to the point where we were kind of writing the hot hand. And he said, I don't see that going forward. And not because we don't have that type of caliber of a player. We just think the integrity of our offense and the balance that we need, more guys pulling that rope and sharing that load this year. Which lines up with exactly, Jeremy, what you and I kind of a thought about this running back room. So, like, if you're looking for a X player comes in and because becomes 2023 Chase Brown, you're probably going to be looking for a while. It might mean... I think you, you and I talked about it on the way to get Mays. Shout out to Mays. Uh, Jimmy, mm-hmm. you really got me hooked there. Mm. Uh, it, it might mean two or three guys have maybe – I still think a 1,000-yard rusher is probably on the table because we've seen Brett Bielma's 15, 16-year history. But it might – you're not going to see that. Like I don't think you're going to look up in early November and say, oh, so-and-so is leading the nation in rushing from Illinois. Like I, I, don't, I don't know that that makes sense. So I think you look at a Josh McCray, you look at a Reggie Love – And then who, right? Is it Aiden Lawfrey? Is it Jordan Anderson? Those two seem to me to be the most likely candidates to to rise into that. Caden Fagan just got here 
three weeks or three months ago. So let's pump the brakes, even though he is physically, goodness gracious, what a large individual. Uh, but I, I think it's which one of those redshirt freshmen steps up and becomes that third back. That's my question in spring. We know the top two. Who becomes yeah. the third? No, I think Reggie Love out of this group is Mr. Reliable right now, which is weird to say because he struggled with injuries through most of his career until last year. But he did show in the last two games, what do you have, 125 yards, a really good performance. I know it's against Northwestern, which was uh, the cellar dweller of the Big Ten last year, but that was encouraging. I think you know he can be productive. Is he explosive enough? Can he be more explosive? I think he's a solid option in your rotation. If you had asked me which guy I think is the number one back or could be, it'd be Josh McCray because we've seen him look like a number one back. Uh, it was a freshman year, and last year he didn't look the same with the injuries. But uh, that's the guy I think could be the number one because we've seen it. But, of course, he's a different kind of number one back than Chase Brown was. Chase Brown really explosive. Josh McCray kind of the Monte Ball, you know, John Clay kind of that you saw from Bielma at Wisconsin. I think Bielma really likes him. But there are some young, intriguing guys. Aiden Lawfrey has not been able to stay healthy, but if he could, he's the most explosive back back there. Jordan Anderson, we've heard some positive reviews of him. Sounds like Barry Lunny likes him. Uh, sounds like he's taking some step forwards. Thad Ward mentioned him to me yesterday, just kind of saying, hey, he had a good day today. So those are all encouraging things, but this is a, a great competition. Um, I've played with the idea of do you go at a portal running back because I think you can – get a great one but i do think there's enough here to be productive i just don't know how it's all going to work out i would say mccray and love are the most likely but i wouldn't count out anderson and lawfrey and we've seen in previous years maybe outside of last year but last year you did need to go deeper in your depth chart uh for your second back you're going to need four of them so i think illinois feels good about its depth it's just i don't think you're getting another chase brown year but Brett Bielma does produce a lot of 1,000-yard backs. So don't know who it'll be, Joey, but I do think they're going to have a good rushing attack. Yeah, and the Vegas theme, I, I don't know what the odds would be for a 1,000-yard back at Illinois, but I think I would take the likelihood that they have one because the history is there. It's, it's interesting. I think, I don't know, Jeremy, like at this point, you kind of are – like you didn't go in the portal in the winter in the, to get a, a running back unless somebody you know comes out and who's interesting and interested – uh, after spring ball, I think you just kind of ride with what you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Barry Lunny, you know, they seem comfortable. I see someone said this is staff not sold on Reggie Love. Barry Lunny said he's basically the only guy he's seen healthy. I mean, I think the staff likes what they have. Now, I, I do wonder, is like, because like, remember last year at this time, it's like, oh, well, Kendall Smith is the free safety. And, and our conversation centered around a lot of like, yeah, but what if X young player comes in and moves him? And guess what? Kendall Smith didn't relinquish that job all year. So, like, I, I don't like. I kind of feel similarly about that spot a, a year removed. And, and I think Reggie Love showed some things last year. He was a tough runner. He the most consistent back they have returning. Uh, he's interesting, man. He, and yeah. remember, he was a pretty good win. Thad Ward recruited him, Jeremy, Yeah, out of Trinity before Thad left for Temple. Yeah, I'm not trying to discount Reggie Love. I think he's earned this no. opportunity to be the number one back. Uh, I just think he's going to share carries, and I think he's going to get pushed, as he should. And this is what you want. This is the kind of depth you want where you feel like, hey, maybe Jordan Anderson can steal some carries here, whether it's from McCray or from um, Love or Aiden Lawfrey. You know, you need – I, speed is what I question 
with Reggie Love, right? I think he's a good back. I think he's a good all-around back. I think he can be more explosive the more healthy he gets. He's dealt with foot injuries throughout his career. And he showed last year, late in the year, that, man, he's he's deserved more opportunity. Um, but you know, I, I still think other guys deserve looks as well. So I think it's a good position to be. All right, third storyline for Illinois football spring ball. Does the wide receiver tight end group take a step forward? They certainly did last year, Joey. Um, four guys set career highs in receiving yards last year for Illinois. Obviously, they're top four wide receivers. Um, Hightower, Bryant, of course, Hightower has moved on. Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington all did that. So that is a nice step forward. But the one thing George McDonald has talked about with this group, I think he did it yesterday, a couple days ago with you guys. I talked to him about after signing day. He's really talked about getting more yards after the catch. Isaiah Williams is great at it. And we can dive into Isaiah here a little bit. But he was number one in the Big Ten in yards after catch per reception. And I think he's got another level to take. I think he's the best playmaker on this team now with Chase Brown gone. And I think he's going to get a lot more touches because Chase Brown is gone. But among 46 qualified wide receivers in the Big Ten, Hightower and Bryant ranked 40th in yak per reception. Casey Washington was 45th. They need those other guys to make more big plays and make more big plays in space, down the field, all of that. So we'll see what the quarterback position is. We'll talk about that here in a second. But I do think the wide receivers and tight ends, Tip Ryman, really good player, wasn't very good catching the ball down the field. Yeah, I'm with you there, Jeremy. I I think they have to. They have to take a step. George McDonald said, Yards after the catch and score touchdowns. So who is your other yards after the catch guy? I, th- I think you and I both think Pat Bryant. Uh, yeah, I thought he showed quite a bit last year as a sophomore. I'm really intrigued by what he can do as a junior. But Casey Washington said the other day, he's like, I want to show I'm more than just a, a sure hands guy. Like I can, I can do things. I think that's a challenge with him is expand that more than just being a possession wide receiver who moves the chains on six yard completions and be able to be a little more explosive within the course of the offense which is I I think you need that because remember Jeremy in fall Malik Elsey's coming Colin Dixon's coming I'm not trying to oversell the expectations for those two but those are two guys who can do quite a bit of things and Malik Elsey in particular I think is somebody who's going to really compete for playing time come fall Uh, so this is a chance for some of those returners to, to get that it maybe expand, I should say, that head start uh, during spring ball, but you, you've got to be more productive in some of those make big plays. Yeah, Make big plays or bigger plays. Tight end, uh, I'll end up pitching this one to you, Jeremy, but I, I like Tip Ryman said, basically he spent the winter working on catching everything, which exactly lines up with what we thought Tip Ryman needed to improve in the offseason is making some of those catches, being more assertive in the passing game but then who right they go out and they get tanner arkin out of colorado state they they have some redshirt freshmen henry boyer owen anderson navy on cargill who are interesting i thought moving ben schultz over it was interesting i don't know that it's ultimately going to matter in any capacity but like there's like a marquise type of mm-hmm. trajectory with him but who who steps up as number two tight end i think arkin would, would probably in yeah. my mind lead that but we've seen 40 minutes of largely stretching so yeah I, I don't know that i can say that with any sureness yeah i don't know if i've seen enough tanner arkin to know like is he way more athletic than luke ford because luke ford just 
you know, we saw his pro day. wasn't wasn't it fast? Um, didn't you know? You seen Tip Ryman just take off. As you know, his work ethic is unbelievable, and that's why I have confidence, Joey. He will be better because his oh, his yeah. work ethic is insane, and he's gotten better every single year. Gone from a walk on to a guy that NFL teams are asking about. Like he's still got a ways to go to to prove himself as an NFL prospect, draft prospect, but um, they got their eyes on him. Because he's improved a lot, he's shown a lot in the in the blocking game. Now his next step is is the passing game, uh, but yeah, I think Tanner Ark and Henry Boyer would be my guys there. But we'll see what Cargill and Anderson look like a, a year into this thing. Um, but three guys will play there. But the wide receiver, I don't know. You know who the guys are going to be, right? Like Washington, Bryant, Williams, and then it's about who else gets in the rotation. I think Malik Elzey's got a good chance to be one of those guys. Not guaranteed. He's still just going to be a freshman, but he's a very talented freshman, one that's physically ready to play. Colin Dixon, physically ready to play. But Hank Beatty in the slot. You know, if Isaiah Williams gets hurt, knock on wood, you don't want that to happen because he's probably your best offensive skill player. Um, he's got to step up. He got some playing time last year. I still think Ian Pugh and, and, Ian Pugh and Ashton Hollins are probably a year away. And we just don't know what Sean Miller looks like on a field because of his injuries. He was the guy I thought could make an early impact, just like Dixon and, and Elsie last year, uh, but just uh, the injuries. And then Kadari Wilcher certainly brings speed. Uh, he, he's probably raw at wide receiver, um, but he's one of the best in Florida, and he certainly brings speed to a team that needs speed. So it's a wide receiver group I like long term, but I think you just need steps from the guys you already have. Um, can Pat Bryant become – you know, a, a guy who can be a 700-yard guy, you know, opposite of Isaiah Williams. Casey Washington, is there a huge step there? I don't think so, but I like having him in my wide receiver room. So I feel like that group's going to take a step forward. Just how big of a step is probably the yeah. biggest question. I, I do think it's worth both listening to what they say and watching what they do in the sense of not sniffing around the transfer portal for a wide receiver. Remember, they added Jonah Williams – or uh, Jonah – is it Williams? Morris. Morris, excuse me. Morris last season for depth, they didn't, we didn't even really catch wind that there was a lot of involvement uh, for wide receivers in the transfer portal. And they moved Miles Scott, who was no, I mean, he's a fine, he had some some plays last season. He was part of the rotation. They moved him to defensive back. So you, you got to watch also how they go about this in, in terms of their roster building. And, and that to me indicates they've got some confidence in what they have in a room that's a heck of a lot better this spring than it was the first spring that George McDonald was leading it in yeah. 2021 we will get to the position everyone wants to talk about i'm not trying to bury it but you and i Honor. have an affinity for the offensive line joey and this is a really intriguing group because we know three starters are for certain they had two huge returners isaiah adams is probably the best nfl draft prospect on this team now johnny newton might quibble with that but talking with the scout those are the two top prospects on this team probably could have gone mid-rounds if he just went one and done after coming from Juco. Getting him back is monstrous. Julian Pearl, a proven left tackle in the Big Ten, could have potentially went late in the draft, but definitely would have gotten into a camp as an intriguing guy due to his length, athleticism, uh, and how much he's improved. Those two guys locked in as starters. And then I would say Zy Chrysler, right? Locked in as one of the starters after starting a guard last year. Then it's kind of open. And this is where it's interesting, Joey, and I know you've dove, dived dove into this with uh, Bart Miller. Uh, how it all shakes out. Who plays where? That's the intrigue here. Um, who could push for a starting spot? Who, who ultimately wins those starting spots? 
and uh, the center position certainly uh, is one of intrigue. So you, you talked to Bart about it. What do you think of this group? I I I think they're excited with however it lands, but here's what I the sense I've gotten. They want to keep the left side, if at all possible, intact of Julian Pearl at left tackle, Isaiah Adams at left guard. They like that combination. Obviously, Isaiah Adams has shown himself to be a very good left guard and all Big Ten left guard. Pearl the same at left tackle. I think Zy Chrysler should he's out this spring. It was a surgery, uh sounds like that they knew was coming, but it ultimately just you know, kind of had to happen. They got all the way through. You'll remember he left the Relier Quest Bowl with, with an injury. So this, this isn't some spring injury or winter conditioning injury, but it sounds like he'll be ready to go when this comes back. And he should assume a spot, you would think, at right guard. Uh, but then what happens with right tackle? Do you feel comfortable enough to look at, like, a Josh Geske? Could Zy Chrysler shy, uh, slide out there? Or do you move Isaiah Adams over? Like, Isaiah Adams has that versatility. It's, I think it's one of the most appealing qualities – for him especially as you look at the next level but you'd say that with the reminder that they like the left side so if Josh Geske I think it's a guy to really monitor if he could rise up and grab that right tackle spot all the better otherwise can you move a an Adams or Chrysler out there and then you know Jordan Slaughter's another returner they have there's a six man last year I could he could he move into a starting spot there's so many different uh possibilities there. and then center right like center is the one that you've got to you wonder, uh, Alex Pilstrom did everything you could have asked him to do and more last year. He, he really, as far as one-year bridge gap guys, you could not have asked for a better spot. He was an all-Big Ten guy. Uh, is this the year Josh Kruitz? He has been the name since they – I mean, he's a Kruitz, right? And in, in Illinois, if you're a Kruitz and you play offensive line, specifically center, people are going to be pretty, pretty excited about you. He's not as big as – Alex Pilstrom was he, he's probably is he as big as Doug Kramer was I mean he's not a very no. No, yeah he's not. he's not a very big guy but he's got all those intangibles right he obviously you know his family lineage his dad Olin Cruz is uh great for the Bears can can he just finally grab that job and say the heck with everybody else uh th- this is my position I, I know he's hungry and I think there was some confidence last year that if in a pinch if Pilstrom went down they, they would have been comfortable with putting him out there so it's not like they don't like him or think he can do it you want to see him grab it and take that position an interesting one Jeremy to me is Zach Barlett starting to take snaps at center Bart Miller told us that he was taking the number two snaps on that first day like that is a really intriguing option suddenly those class of 2021 offensive linemen that really weren't swimming in power five offers Suddenly, all three of those guys are really inserting their name, which is what good programs are supposed to do, by the way, is wait a few years for that, yeah. uh, as possibly moving into a role right now. So I, I think those are the three to monitor. I think Jordan Slaughter is really interesting. Like, he's really, really interesting. I think Bart Miller has said, he said, I want to see him cut it loose. I mean, he's got everything you want. Uh, they, they obviously tried to get him the ball to snap a little bit. Could he be in that mix there? I don't know, man. I, I think there's a lot of options, but what I, the big takeaways is they want to keep the left side together if at all possible, but they're not going to hamstring themselves simply by doing that. Yeah, my thing is I think they're going to be good regardless, right? Because now you're starting to get the depth and the competition you need to actually – like the fact that Jordan Slaughter were not throwing in immediately as a starter, like the fact that he could actually be pushed is something they haven't had the last couple of years. Like I don't know if Alex Pilstrom actually had – 
competition much last year. I know Kurtz was involved there, but I still think he needed another year. Um, Maybe not as much in the spring, but I think as the season, you got through fall and as the season, yeah. it was probably more. But yeah, I'm with you. You know, that's kind of what I mean. Like after the sixth guy, there was really no competition yeah. last year. I think there is more of that this year. I think Barlev can push Kurtz. They could add a transfer. Uh, after right. the spring, if they don't love the center position, um, Desmond Schuster's coming in. You know, he's a JUCO kid. Uh, will he be ready by fall? I don't know, but he's coming in in the summer and, and adds even more competition. Hunter Whitenack is a van, as Brett Bielmo likes to say, just massive man. So um, they're they're getting better depth there, and the fact that you know we've heard good things about Geski that they think he can play, even if he's not a starter, the fact that they could have some confidence he could play. Uh, would be huge at, at tackle to have another tackle that can be in the mix there and potentially leave Isaiah Adams at guard where he was, in my opinion, one of the few best guards in, in a loaded Big Ten conference on the offensive line. All right, let's get to the, what the people want, Joey. How's, Hunter. The, how's the new quarterback room perform? We have not seen much of these guys, but obviously it's a very different look. All three of your top quarterbacks are gone. Tommy DeVito, Art Sikowski still there. Doing Art Sikowski things as a leader, just not throwing the football. Uh, now as he's a student assistant. Uh, and, of course, Ryan Johnson, uh, your third quarterback last year, is all gone. So a lot of uh, inexperience in this room, including the number one guy. I don't think it's a huge competition for QB1. Unless Luke Altmaier really just does not perform this spring, he is going to be the starting quarterback. But they, I thought they really threaded the needle in the portal, Joey. Uh, getting Luke Altmaier with three years of eligibility as your top guy. It was him and Hudson Card that they're recruiting. Hudson Card, I, I think, is going to be more ready to hit the ground running because he's got more experience. I really like him uh, for Purdue. But Luke Altmaier was a really good option for them, has some experience, really talented, uh, really accurate with the ball for the most part, quick release. But you also had a John Paddock as a walk-on, a kid who started every game at Ball State last year, a Division One experience. You add that to a room, along with Donovan Leary, who there's been some positive buzz about that he's you know taken a step forward and could be ready to compete. Like I think those are three pretty solid options. I I, I don't fear that quarterback room, but of course you need Luke Altmaier in the Big Ten to perform. Like it, it is his job, and now Illinois you know put a lot on him to move this offense forward. The one thing. Barry Lunny has mentioned a lot is he's got guys around who've been in part of this offense that we think can lift him up until he gets up to speed with us and then he can lift the rest of the group. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the the op, the biggest battle right now is the backup quarterback battle between Donovan Larry and John Paddock. I mean, I know they're gonna tell us, right? They're they're gonna coach speak this thing all the way through probably into fall camp that it's I, I don't believe that. I, I didn't believe it last year. I don't believe it this year. No. Um Again, we know what they're going to tell us, but I just think you got to kind of decipher some of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Luke Altmyers, he kind of hitched his wagon to to Barry Lunny to be given his chance. It sounds like he he felt like he was ready a year ago at Ole Miss. Uh, he, he was a guy who has been in a couple quarterback. I don't. He probably wasn't in a battle with Matt Corral his freshman year, but he and Jackson Dart battled it out uh, last spring, last fall, and really into the first two weeks of last season, Jeremy. I'm interested in him. We've talked to him once. Um, he is not Tommy DeVito, and that's not a knock on Luke Altmaier because Tommy DeVito and really Art Sikowski are in the 99th percentile of loud human beings. 
who are comfortable in a like a field of their enemies. It's unbelievable. Like there's a reason we all kind of gawked over how Tommy DeVito handled himself last year because there's just not a lot of guys like that. So I I know there's some hand wringing I guess over. And really, it doesn't seem to me like from inside the program, to be honest with you, uh, some hand-wringing over Luke Altmyer's vocality. Yeah, so Luke Altmyer met with us media, and he's not Tommy. I don't know many people in my life outside of Lante who are like Tommy DeVito. Lante could be the mayor of literally the next town he moved to within a, like a year. Correct. There's just not many people yes. like that. When you go into a new environment, like... I'm a pretty social guy, but it's going to take me a little bit of time to warm up. It's pretty natural. But I remember asking Casey Washington, Pat Bryant, when uh, I saw them at an NIL event, I asked him, what, what's your impressions of Tom or of uh, Luke Altmaier? And they were saying he was a little quiet to start, but once he warms up, man, he's, he's a lot of fun. He's a character. Um, you know, he's different than Tommy, but it doesn't seem like an issue for them. And everything we've heard out of Ole Miss is how much they love this guy. And the fact that he came back for the bowl game – uh, with them to to be there just in case they had an injury to play for his teammates. I think that says a lot. So until it becomes an issue, and I hear it from Brett Bielma and the rest of the staff that uh, we need him to, to be more vocal, I, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because, as you said, Tommy DeVito and Art Sikowski are like 99th percentile vocal guys. And by the way, we've seen Brett Bielma have a willingness to stand at a microphone and say, I need our quarterback to be more vocal. He did it with Brandon Peters. And I understand that's where a lot of the fan base a lot of the hesitancy comes from but think about what Luke Alt like so we've talked to him one time he had been on campus for all of like six weeks at that point we talked to him and there's 15 new faces four tv cameras eight cell phone cameras and and just no rhythm to any conversation like that is a daunting spot for I don't care who you are like it's just not a very comfortable setting and people are asking literally everything under the sun to try to get any sense of, of who he is. Like, it's it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Like, I, we have not gotten the sense that this is a concern. We, we've gotten the sense that, yeah, he's different. That's okay. People are different. Can he make the throws? Do his teammates believe in him? Anything other than that is just noise. That, yeah. Frankly, I don't, I don't really understand why it's so loud right now because we've talked to the guy one time. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you need time to become a leader right like most guys need multiple years quarterback is different i get it but you know what's important his knowledge of the offense his accuracy his decision making and he's got he's got enough talent in all those regards and the one thing i really like about his game he can move uh he's he's a better runner than tommy even some of his teammates like tommy wasn't a slouch in that area but his teammates have talked about how luke altmeyer can really run but that's another reason you need some backups who can perform and john paddock you know can can go into a game and you know, at least be uh, ready for it. Uh, Donovan Leary, we'll see. Uh, we haven't seen much of those guys besides throwing the ball a little bit on air. Um, so that we'll have to find out during the spring game and, and more when the season goes along. All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball where obviously Illinois set a really, really high standard last year. And Joey, I know they're losing a bunch in the secondary. We'll get into that here in a second. But what they return up front, this defensive front, the best for Illinois since wh- who, when, I don't know. But when you get Johnny Newton, a first-team All-Big Ten player back, Keith Randolph, third-team All-Big Ten, he'd argue he deserves higher. I had him second-team 
all Big Ten, by the way, Keith. Uh, and then Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman. Ackes was uh, unbelievable for a freshman, freshman All-American. Don't look overlook what Seth Coleman did last year, people, because he was even more impactful. And, of course, he should be. He's a fourth-year guy last year. But the many pass deflections he had at the line of scrimmage, the, the pressures he had consistently throughout the year, that's the best defensive front I've seen at Illinois since at least 2015 when they had Smoot, Jihad Ward, Chunky Clements, Carol Phillips. Those are four guys who were all at the Combine, two who were drafted in the top three rounds. And probably I would say it's the most talented since 2011 when you had Whitney Merciless, Akeem Spence, Glenn Foster, Michael Buchanan. That's three draft picks there. I think at least three of these guys are going to get drafted, and I would bet maybe four of them get drafted. That's that's pretty good, Joe. That's one of the best in the Big Ten and thus one of the best in the country when it comes to a defensive front. Yeah, I'll let you handle the best sense. I'll just say it's pretty damn good. It's pretty good. It's, it's one that. of the best groups in the Big Like Michigan would like this group next year. Yeah, it's that's why getting those two Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton back was so monstrous because without one or both, definitely both, I don't know. Do you feel as good? Like we've talked at length about defensive line recruiting. Like you, you just, you needed another year of those two to come in and be wrecking forces. The Brett Bielema has been really, I, I was thinking about this before I go in, Jeremy, maybe you can, I don't know that Brett Bielema falls into hyperbole a lot. Um, I just I don't remember a time where I'm like, no, he'll, in terms of like, oh, so and so is healthy, like, and then they're not dressed or you know whatever. Like, he's not always he's not always honest. I get what you're saying, but like, he doesn't do the Brad Underwood hype train, is what you're you're saying. Brad's got a little bit better at that, but Brett doesn't do that a lot. Yeah, Brett's more like. Uh, he more shield stuff gamesmanship wise yeah. than he than he gasses up his guys. But when he says like this outside linebacker room, by the way, he coached outside linebackers in the NFL is one of the best that I've had at that position. I don't think that's a lie or a, a load of crap to try to gas up anyone. Like I think he believes that he just it's just not who he is to to gas it up when there's nothing to gas that. Like, I know a lot of attention is rightfully, understandably focused on Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton because they're really, really good. They're all Big Ten guys. But, man, that outside linebacker room, when you look at a Seth Coleman, a Gabe Ackes, um, I, I don't know what we'll see out of Ezekiel Holmes. He'll be cleared come June, but maybe pump the brakes. Um, but the fact that that, that guy was a starter last year, right. and I think we thought Gabe Ackes was going to replace him at some point last season, but the fact that he's just a part of your rotation along with Alec Bryant, like guys who are very right. talented, like yeah, that's Charlie Bowling gets a great group, and that's what's going to be interesting. Joey is Brett Bielma kept mentioning, "I want to get more out of our pass rush. I want to get more out of our pass." I think it feels like he thought they left something on the table there. Like maybe they didn't complete some plays, maybe they didn't have the techniques he wanted. But that's why Charlie Bowling is here, and, and Charlie's really excited about it. And man, like I asked Charlie during pro day just to explain what he's looking for in a certain drill. And listen, I'm mostly a novice at this stuff compared to these guys, right? But the way he was able to explain it to me was was great. I think he's going to be a great teacher. He's a really personable guy. The guys have responded to him pretty well. I think he's going to do well in recruiting. But um, that's going to be that's going to be interesting to watch. Is is how much more can Charlie Boyne get out of these guys? Because I think Seth Coleman has more to give. I think Gabe Ackes clearly uh, is just scratching the surface of what he can be. That's scary. 
Because they're going to get a lot of one-on-one battles with Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton on the interior. It works in tandem. And I know we'll get to the defensive backs shortly, but it all flipped a little bit, right? Like last year it was, look at all these draft picks in the back uh, of the defense, and Devin Witherspoon is going to be a top half of the first-round guy. Sidney Brown, Quan Martin, we think Kendall Kendall Smith might have a chance to find his way into a camp. And now it shifts to, goodness gracious, this defensive front is um, pretty imposing now. They have to replace nose, the nose guard spot. Who is that? Um, we think it's probably T. Ry Edwards, yep. uh, Rashawn Wilkins, Denzel Daxon are two guys to monitor in there. Seth McConnell. They have depth. Guy. That like right? They, they have depth at nose guard. I don't know. Is any of them as good as Calvin was? Like Calvin had flashes last year. That was like, oh, there's that four star. We but, had the same talk a year ago with Rod Perry being gone, right? right. So like, you, you don't know. Aaron Henry said it, and at first I was like, this is some coach to be. When he was talking about his defensive back, sometimes you don't know until you know. Uh, now, when you know, it might not always be good, but like I don't, I don't know. There, there's options. I don't know if I would say like a lot of depth at this point, but there are a lot of options. They have depth at nose guard. Um, I think Sed's going to move. I would assume he's going to move back with three veteran nose guards. I feel like he's going to be more the. You know, Bryce Barnes is back. That gives you some good depth. He's injured right now, but he's he's a solid rotation player. But if he would have had to be your starter, you're concerned when you're playing in the Big Ten. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think having him as a rotational guy is good. Seth McConnell's a rotational guy. But you got another year of, of Johnny and Keith to, to build up some depth. And, listen, I get why people want better recruiting wins with defensive linemen. We'll see how those guys develop. But Terrence Jameson has proven he develops guys well. He's a good coach. Uh, and Brett Bielma values him a lot with uh, giving him a new title as well, with co-defensive coordinator. So they're going to be pretty good up front. Um, all right. Behind them, Joey, linebackers. Return the two biggest names that people know. Uh, Tariq Barnes has been very solidly consistent and productive, really took off as a leader last year, got really comfortable with us. He's like a go-to quote now when he was not a, the best quote early in his career. Uh, but he's he's obviously just a solid, consistent performer. C.J. Hart was not the same last year, and now you're hearing him talk about that. I know you got a story coming on him. Andy Boo said it yesterday. Yeah, didn't he was feeling that injury a bit last year. So another year removed from that injury. Can he return more to the explosive guy we saw? Because he just did not make those explosive plays last year. But Isaac D'Arcangelo did. Uh, he was really good, the former walk-on. They have to replace him. They tried to get another year of eligibility, could not. But I talked with Andy Boo yesterday, man, and he loves his group. You know Andy. He's really positive, sunny guy, loves his guys at all times, but he even seemed extra excited about having Kanena Odaluga and Dylan Rosiak as redshirt sophomores. Now James Crutes and Malachi Hood are redshirt freshmen. He was basically telling me, I feel like I can play all those guys. JoJo Hayden comes in. He's going to need some time, right? Maybe he gets a, a, a small role, special teams, whatever it is. But I'm interested to see Odaluga, Rosiak, who wins that battle for that other rotational linebacker or could Crutch or Malachi Hood come on? Those guys are, are pretty talented, but it's a nice mix uh, of uh, older guys, younger guys, Joey. I don't know if there's like a ridiculous like talent yet that has emerged out of that group, but it is a deep group. It is. They've recruited that position really well for exactly what they need. Uh, it's not in terms of stars or rankings, not going to knock you over, but they've recruited you, and I think they've identified talent pretty well at that position. It's a young guy. Like they, They've recruited well. They, they've, they've had time to develop. It seems like one of those young guys, 
much like Odaluga did in, in that dime package a year ago, is going to be able to step up and, and take some snaps. And we do have to say, like Isaac D'Archangelo's emergence, and it's just a big loss, was created or allowed a little bit in part because C.J. Hart wasn't yeah. fully C.J. Hart. Um, if So who's who's it going to be? I would lean towards probably Rosiak or um, Odaluga. Odaluga at this point. But, you know, look, dude, there's still a lot of time between September now and September 2nd. But th- those two seem to me to be maybe the guys to identify and say, hey, circle their names because you might see them out there a little bit more. Yeah, and both, like, Rosiak's kind of following the Dark Angelo mold. Dark Angelo was a core special teamer. Rosiak was on every special team last year, and, and he made some good plays. Odaluga is a little bit different, but he was a core special teamer, was on the field. So you get that feel of what it's like to be on the field and be counted on. Uh, but also Odaluga played that pass rush specialist role. He was basically like an extra pass rusher in their dime package. They had two defensive linemen, and then Odaluga was either getting after the quarterback or dropping into coverage. Really bright. He's he's a really bright guy. Uh, I forgot who called him an action figure, but he's kind of like a bigger version of Kalon Tolson. Like, not the tallest guy, but just jacked up beyond belief. Uh, and a pretty good athlete as well from Mount Carmel uh, in Chicago. That'll be fun to watch, those two guys. But they feel really confident. I mean, Andy was confident in them last year, but I, I struggled. Like I was like, is Andy just being really positive about Isaac D'Archangelo? Because he was really hyping him up last year. But after what D'Archangelo did, I got I to gotta believe that Andy – Andy Boo is is just being honest that that he really likes his linebacker group. So I don't he think he loves the whole t- thing operation of tackles. <laughs> yeah, that and Andy's Andy's a really good coach. Um, he, he's coached those guys extremely well. All right, there's some turnover in the secondary, certainly so, both among the coaches and a lot with the players. You lose more talent here than anywhere. Devin Witherspoon's going to go in the top 15, most likely in the NFL draft. Sidney Brown, Quan Martin, both projected in the second or third round. And then Kendall Smith had a fantastic pro day, had a really good year last year for Illinois, really reliable back there. And uh, you got to replace four starters, basically. The good news is you had some talent back there, Joey, but – what do you make of uh, how they're going to kind of replace what was the best secondary in all of football last year? And, of course, you're also losing a coach in, in Ryan Walters who is really, really good at it. I think I might have lost Joey. Or he no, we're back. We're right, back. There he is. What you got? Like, What do you think of this group, Joey? Because I would say Taz Nicholson and Matthew Bailey. We can – right in pen as starters right i would imagine yeah. that's the case and then who are the others can we build this from the outside in yeah would that be the best way to do it so corners taz nicholson feels like a starter they were really encouraged with what he did last year before his wrist injury um he's a big loss late in the year yeah now conversely that loss kind of paved the way for uh, a Tyler Strain, it kind of paved the way for a Xavier Scott, but I, I would feel pretty confident in penciling Taz Nicholson in at a corner position. I think we'll talk to Antonio Finalis this week, um, hopefully to get a little more clarity. And then y- your options, your top option would be junior college transfer Caleb Patterson, who you and I have seen, and he is physically quite the in- impressive gentleman. Uh, then you look at a Tyler Strain, who played pretty well at times, at times, and really, his he got thrown into action at like maybe the worst possible time in the calendar year as you're trying to win the Big Ten West against some teams that can really 
throw that thing around a I little Tyler bit. Tyler Strain was really good. <laughs> he might be 5'8". He might be 5'8", but the way he battled and made plays on the ball, I was really impressed by him late in the year. I, so I don't – I'm interrupting what you were doing no. here. But, just, I have no, I'm not a lot of direction. Right, right no, no. We, we did name guys who were potential at corner, and, and Xavier Scott, I would throw in there, had some bad plays, as you would expect from a true freshman playing against Michigan and the such. But I thought it was interesting. Aaron Henry said, we got to figure out where to play these guys. Because we, we don't recruit corners or safeties, which I think is for the most part true. Uh, they've moved guys around a lot. Um, a lot of these guys have changed positions. Xavier Scott started as a nickel. Prince Green started as a free safety. He's played strong safety. Keontae Curry's played nickel corner safety. But he said, we got to figure out where to play these guys. So is Matthew Bailey a strong safety or free safety? Right? Is, is Taz Nicholson better as Quan Martin or as Devin Witherspoon? Right? Like, I don't know if he's going to be either, as good as either of those guys, but you know what I mean? Like, wh- where do they best fit? Is Xavier yeah. Scott nickel corner? Um, is Nicario Harper nickel or safety? I think he's the Sid Brown role. Um, but yeah. There's talent here. It's there's a lot of greenness to it. There's a lot of an experience to it. But they, as you said, they do have the benefit of Strain, Scott, Bailey getting some significant experience last year. They're a young group, but they are a talented group, and this is a staff that's done a pretty good job. And then you just have a defensive front that should really help them. Just I mean, when you have what we think can be one of the most dominant defensive fronts, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country, that should help a, a young DB group. So, yeah, just, I mean, we've heard Bielema and Henry say, we got to spend this spring figuring out where to play these guys. So it's hard to make a depth chart for us right now because those guys don't even know. It's funny. Like, at first I said, well, let's start on the outside and move in. And I thought, well, that doesn't really matter because I don't know who's going to be on the outside and who's going to be on the inside. I was really thought, encouraged well, that Aaron said, like, we don't even know yet. So, I, yeah. like, when I make a depth chart, it's, it's like, we don't know. They don't know. I do. Know, I don't think Caleb Patterson's playing safety. I agree. Okay. I mean, that's, that's about all I got. I, like, and Matthew Bailey's not playing corner. Yeah. Taz Nicholson's not playing safety. Probably the other guys. Oh, we have to do this. Is, and and by the way, you got some encouraging athletic freshmen coming in. Sabor Kareem, hello. Uh, in the fall, and I'm not trying to say expect him to start, but like, no. I, dude, I don't. Elijah McCantos, Tyson Rooks are intriguing guys. Prince Green and Keontae Curry. This is the time, right? If, if they want to play, like they can't let these freshmen pass them up. Um, so it's it's just a, a lot of names. I know I'm throwing at people, but that's why it's kind of exciting because it's talented guys. It's guys who we've seen flashes from, um, but you do lose three of the best players on your team, four of the best players on your team. Yeah, man. It's I, I'm just trying to think of like it's spring game. It's a Thursday night. I think spring game is on a Thursday this year. And everyone's watching the quarterback and everybody else. Like, you're either watching the quarterback or you're watching who the heck lines up where yeah. in the defensive backfield. Like, those are the two things I, well, I'm i interested by the quarterback, right? Probably the offensive line and the defensive backfield are in the same, like, I don't know. I know some names. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have, like, an educated guess on things. But if they threw a complete curveball, I wouldn't be totally floored either. Yeah. I don't know, man. And I am interested. Uh, I asked, Kenan Odaluga said they were really happy about Aaron Henry getting promoted. Uh, and Aaron's taken over safeties. Uh, he, told, he told us that on here on the podcast. And then Antonio Finellis has taken over corners. A lot of familiarity with Brett Bielema, obviously. I don't think they're changing much about what they do. Aaron Henry's talked about that. But it'll just be interesting because Ryan Walters was elite at development. 
right? And Aaron Henry's really good at development, but you did lose a key piece of developing those guys. So just another thing to consider with the secondary, but I think the staff is really good. All right, let's move to a group that, Joey, cost Illinois games last year, for being honest. Does the special teams improve under Robbie Disher, the new special teams coordinator? Listen, we knew they were going to take a step back on special teams with the personnel, right? You lost all Big Ten guys and James McCourt and Blake Hayes and a really good long snapper as well and Ethan Tabell. So it's not surprising that they you know, had some struggles just personnel-wise. Q Robertson had a really bad first or inconsistent first 10 games. I thought he finished the year really well. But you bring in a scholarship you know, guy in 2023 with Declan Dooley to compete with him. You, you got some other walk-ons competing with him. Caleb Griffin, I thought, was really good when he played, uh, especially after the early struggles. Um, but he was really good down the stretch. Just didn't get a lot of opportunities because the wind late in the season. But Fabrizio Pintone came in and, and hit seven field goals. And now you're bringing in David Alano. So we've only talked with Robbie Disher once, but I, I like him. I think he'll do well. But it's this is a group that has to be better. Last year, they're 89th in special teams efficiency, according to ESPN's FBI. The year prior, they were 28th. And I think we saw whether it was Indiana, Purdue, they lost some games due to special teams. Partly. Yeah, they sure did. And like, so I think the two key special teams are solidifying your punt unit and your punt operation. And that whether that means more consistency from Hugh Robertson or or Declan Dooley coming in and and really pushing him to a level. I don't like I think that's the biggest one. And then what do they do as returners, right? Like we talked last year and and Sean Snyder was, you know, it was all about aggression, this and that, like, and okay. But what, it never really manifested, right? It did early and then it tapered out to just fair catch the thing and get the offense out there. Like, it is really what it turned in. I don't know that Robbie Disher, with his history of specialty, is, I don't know that that's going to be the plan again. I'm fascinated to try to learn more. Uh, it seems like every offseason, if we're going to be more aggressive on punt return and kick return, and then you're waving to everybody at whatever stadium you're at moving forward. So, like, I don't, I don't know, but those are the two big things. I don't worry about the kicking operation in terms of field goals and kickoffs because I think Caleb Griffin, for the really the first time in his career, he's been here for more than a half a decade. He's going into his sixth That's year. Right. He's going to be a special teams coordinator, he said, which is exactly what we thought. I uh, thought high school athletic director, but yes. Yeah, look, he's a young kid still. There's still time for him to, to pivot into Jeremy's future plans for him. But, like, I don't think there's any – like, you want, you want him to be consistent. And there's probably some field goals that you'd like to see him make, especially it seems like he was better at times on those long booming ones than, than some of those those money ones and from the forty to the thirty yard. But I don't I don't think you you pay too much mind to the kicking game. I think right you're fine now. there. Yeah. And and if Alano, who <laughs> David Alano versus Declan Dooley in terms of incoming freshman specialists is one of the most hysterical like side by sides you could see. Like, if he pushes him and takes it, bless him, yeah. right? Like, that means he beat out a really good kicker. Uh, but I, I do think, I think it's punt, punt operation, and I think it's return. What do you want out of the return, and how can you stabilize the, the punt operation? I think that, that'll change maybe a lot of how people feel about Illinois special teams. And then, of course, who returns it? Yeah. But that goes into, are you going to return it? I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, the aggressive thing didn't work out early on, but, man, it was mostly the punt unit. The punt unit really struggled and really hurt Illinois uh, for most of the season. Um, yeah, Dooley looks like a linebacker playing punter 
and uh, David Alano looks like the the soccer player that comes over and kicks uh, in the middle of practice at high school. So that's what. Uh, also, he's both a big both guy, ridiculous good legs. God, what a leg on that kid! Oh. Like we we just you, so look to peel back the curtain. We generally see a lot of stretching in our yeah. forty minute window and some field goal stuff. Not a big guy, but good lord, he's got a foot on. He's got a boot, dude. Yeah. He's got a really big boot for a little guy. It's not at all proportional. Yeah, one of my favorite recruits to cover uh, in the in the class of 2023. Just a phenomenal story, uh, where his family comes from, how he got into football really late. He had to convince his dad to do it. I've written stories on that, so you can look that up at, at Illini Inquirer. The other thing I'm interested in, Joey, because they're starting to get recruiting prospects on campus, is how do they parlay last season's success into recruiting? Illinois got one commitment in the class of 2023 or 2024. Some people like to freak out early about that. I'm not to that point yet at all. Um, but I don't know if they're going to get any of the top five kids in the state because the Michigans, Ohio States, Clemson's, and they, and they kind of pick those guys up. But um, they had some big in-state recruiting battles. They had a couple guys on campus this week, four-star Luke Williams, that who they're recruiting as a safety out of Naperville North, David Alano's teammate. Uh, and then Darian Dupree, Chicago Mount Carmel running back, who's exactly what they need in that running back room, is just an explosive, dynamic, good pass catcher. Uh, kind of goes along with all those big backs. They've had those guys on campus. They're getting a lot of guys on campus here recently. Um, so, I, I listen, I think they're going to recruit well. Um, I know people freak out early in the process when other people get recruits, but they're pretty prudent, and usually it's later in the spring. You get a few on board, and then – Really in the summer is when you make most of your hay when those official visits happen in June. But I do think Illinois is setting itself up to where they're going to have some chances for some of the top prospects in the state. I think they'll get a couple of them, Joey. Uh, and that's about evaluation. Who do you get from out of state as well? Um, so what do you think? Um, what do you think about the buzz after last season in recruiting so far? I mean, I, th- I think it's – I don't even know if it's a record in the bowl game as much as it is, especially like defensive back, their cell right now in recruiting is really, really good. Yeah, um, I, They're I shooting high for some positions, right? Like, that's right, Yeah. Quarterback, I'm still fascinated by because the timeline of quarterbacks is unlike any other timeline uh, for recruits. But I, I, mean, I think it's it's a better sell than they've had previously, right? It's the best sell they've had since Brett Bielan has been at Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it, man. People like people see so and so commits to pick a Big Ten school and they freak out, and I, I get it because, huh? Minnesota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, but. The, the timeline this year isn't really unlike the timeline Brett Bielema had a year ago. It isn't unlike the timeline he had that first year. It's it's not even April. Yeah. Like the timeline it follows exactly how they've approached this uh, since he's been hired. And, and sa- in the same way that the offer timeline, like they don't seem to be concerned about Iowa stating it and being the first offer for every kid in the Midwest. Like that just doesn't here to be their approach you can make an argument that there are some kids you do need to to be that but that's not cookie cutter you don't need yeah. to be the first for every kid uh, just, you got to have a read of what that looks like jeremy but this is the best sell they've had and if you can duplicate last the 23 class like that seems like the exact footprint for illinois football probably you know maybe you'd want more defensive linemen yep. um another difficult position to recruit but if you can do that again thumbs up right like you believe in if you believe in how they develop you get some of those higher ranked guys hello malik elzy uh support cream Mm -hmm. and and go around that and believe in your evaluations 
Yeah. I say that also Caden Fagan was a highly recruited guy as well. Yeah, and they had two commitments at this time last year. I believe it was Caden Fagan and JoJo Hayden, uh, which ended up being two really good gets for them. But you look at the in-state, that's the easiest to focus on at this point. Listen, they're going to get some Florida DBs. <laughs> I, we, we know that. It's, it's just which ones do they get? They're shooting very high. Uh, for certain guys, and I think they should because they're going to have three guys get drafted at least uh, next month, and that's certainly going to help their sell. Running back sell with the guy like Darian Dupree certainly helps when you get Chase Brown drafted. But Marquise Lightfoot, four-star edge out of Kenwood. Illinois is going to be in the mix there. Listen, Alabama just offered. Michigan, Ohio, like, he's got everybody, but Illinois is going to get an official visit from what I'm told. Uh, Darian Dupree, you're going to get an official visit there. Luke Williams might be the leader there. Um, potentially at this moment. Tyshawn Griffin, Chicago Morgan Park wide receiver, high three-star kid right now, slot guy. I think you're among the top two for him. Eddie Turk, Lions Township. Michigan's very high there. If, if they want him, it's it might be tough to get him, but he's got Illinois legacy. Um, his sisters go here. He, I think you got a chance at him. Austin Alexander, corner out of Marion Catholic. So they got they got some guys in state there in the top fifteen that I think you, they're going to get a couple of those guys, in my opinion. So you get a couple four stars. Like the way we talk about Illinois football recruiting is different than the Michigan. It's different than uh, probably even Michigan State at this point, right? It's different than how we talk about Illinois basketball. Recruiting. Yeah, it's it, you get a couple four stars, you keep building on that, and then you evaluate and you develop well. Like that that is the path. You want to keep raising the bar in recruiting, and I think Bielma has gradually done it, and I think this class has a potential to do that. But I, I think we know what Illinois football is, and I think we know what they have to be, which is you're competing with Wisconsin, Iowa, and those guys. Like Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State are just a different world. If you're looking for a coach or a program to get away from itself in terms of its beliefs and how they go about it, this ain't it. Yeah. Like they know who they are, they believe in what works, they have a history largely Jeremy of what works um, are there going to be misses yes are, are there going to be guys that you say well why in the world didn't they offer them two months ago yes I don't know if any of it matters but like you know who they are you know how their timeline operates they're not hosting big junior days Jeremy they yeah. they focus differently in smaller groups like that's I think the learning process is kind of over like we know what it is and we know what they're after and now it's just a matter of getting them and seeing if you can, as you mentioned, take those cells in the state of Florida, for instance, and push it higher and, and fight and win some other battles. Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to get away from who they are because they really, truly believe in it. Man, we did 10 in 10 minutes or in, uh, uh, in an hour, Joey. I'm proud of us. We got through all 10 storylines there in an hour. But I do want to wrap up with a few of our live YouTube listeners um, giving us some comments here with some questions as well. John asked, how does this, this stack up to gains, losses across others in the Big Ten West? If I'm doing, and I've done this in my mailbag, if I'm doing a top seven, the Big Ten, I feel like Illinois is going to be picked fifth or sixth again in the Big Ten West. Maybe fifth or fourth. Maybe some people have them there. I would have them top three because of what they return on the offensive and defensive lines. They have major questions in the secondary, uh, but I think they have enough talent to, to overcome those. My question is still mostly on the offensive side of the ball. How big of a leap do they take there? But I think they have enough returning, and in year two of an offense, I do think they can improve. Uh, I think defense... It's probably going to have to take somewhat of a step back, Joey. <laughs> like, maybe not the number one in the country. But, listen, I think Iowa's going to be really good. Their offense can only get better. Their defense should be good again. Phil Parker's that good. 
They have some good returners. They did lose a lot, I know. Um, but they also bring back a lot. Wisconsin really intrigues me because they they have some good pieces, but there's a lot of change there. Like there should be a lot of excitement with what they brought in talent wise, coaching wise, but a lot of change usually takes some time. So I think I still have Wisconsin in the top three because of their talent, and I think it's a really good coaching staff, but that might take some time. Um, listen, I think Minnesota's as solid of a program as there's been in the Big Ten West here recently outside of Iowa and Wisconsin, but Purdue is losing so much in a new coaching staff. Nebraska is a total rebuild. Listen, I know they're getting talent, but they've gotten talent before. It's a better coaching staff. Ding. But Northwestern... <laughs> Are, are, we, we can't buy Northwestern after the last two years, right? No, I just long for the day. Like, what is it going to take for Nebraska to do something that Jeremy's like, all right. Nebraska's I like their coach. Here. I like their coach. He's take, he took over a dumpster fire, okay? <laughs> Hearing you say that, I know that's also like an insult to dumpsters on fire everywhere <laughs> in your mind. So, like, uh, yeah, man. I Juwan Howard makes Scott Frost uh, look terrible, right? Like, oh, my God. It's like the roast of Scott. Um, yeah, man. Like, also with Minnesota, like, there's a quarterback change in Minneapolis for the first time. No, Ibrahim's so gone. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, so there, there are questions, and that's the same way. Like when I ask what Nebraska is going to have to do for Jeremy to not want to dunk all over, what when is Illinois' narrative um, going to change beyond people who cover the program daily, or even I mean, there's some really good Big Ten writers out there who see it as well, but like. There's, there's also a perception change there that you've got to wonder uh, when is that going to happen. But, yeah, I, the top three, top four in the Big Ten West is is a fair place to put them. I I don't know that they lose. There's, there's probably programs, off, I don't know, you probably know off the top of your head better than I do, that have lost less. Uh, but there's certainly programs that have lost much, much more yeah. uh, than Illinois. I think all things considered, to build off an eight and five team, you got a lot of guys back who can who can help you stay in that mix so you're not just that, oh, you remember the 22 year yeah. that Illinois was pretty good? Like, you've got guys to help you maintain. I'm not projecting them to go 10-2, and two, but I'd be surprised if they don't make a bowl game. Oh, yeah. Like, to me, the bowl game has now, like, that's just it. Like, you, that's kind of the standard you've got to set. Now, you, now you're kind of jockeying for bowl position. There's going to be ebbs and flows in every program. Every program has them, but I think – your, your year should teeter more towards doing that than not. Brad, why didn't Illinois sign more players out of the portal? They're comfortable with what they have. They got a lot back. Like I, I get the portal is so exciting, and that's why like Wisconsin fans should be really excited about what they got out of the portal, right? But I think Illinois fans should be equally or more excited about what they got to come back. Like the fact that you got Isaiah Adams, Julian Pearl, Keith Randolph, and Johnny Newton all back, and Isaiah Williams back. You know what I mean? Like those guys are better than anything you would have gotten out of the portal. So to get them back, um, despite some coaching defections, despite you know the the lure of the NFL, that's as big as anything. And and they did address some needs in the portal, right? They they went and got two quarterbacks. They went and got a safety. They went and got a Juco corner. They went and got a defensive lineman. They aren't, they aren't the like former four, four and five-star guys uh, outside of Oldman. But, but when did that really play out for Illinois in a resoundingly positive way before? Ahmad Orbebe and Batiku. Those are the two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I just yeah, they didn't have to as much, and they still can add more. 
Like I would not be surprised if they went and got an offensive lineman or they got one more guy um, if they find a need out there in the port. There's another wave coming after spring ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're going to have some wiggle room and, and some chance to go explore the market, and you're going to have a better idea because you've seen your guys on the field for 15 practices and all winter. So there's another wave coming. I don't. I, we say that I, like you and I are anticipating them going out and, and blowing the world up with what they're going to get, but there, there are going to be options that remain. Greg, I wouldn't be surprised if LZ and Dixon end up starting before the season is over. Uh, Listen, there's. I, I, pers- like, I love when people say, is there a chance this could happen? Of course there's a chance. Yeah, Elsie's talented enough. Dixon's talented enough. Um, there's enough wiggle room at wide receiver, unknown at wide receiver. Like, Pat Bryant's got to reach another level, right? Um, Casey Washington has to reach another level. So, yeah, there's there's some reps to be had at, at wide receiver, and, and losing Brian Hightower opens up a spot, whether that's for, you know, an EMP or Ashton Hollins or more likely probably Malik Elsie. Or Sean Miller. Sean Miller. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I – I like to think of like let's see if they crack the rotation first. Yeah, that's first um, step. First step. Yeah, but look, man, Malik Elzey's a that's a real deal. He's a real be, deal I'd, wide receiver, man. I'd be surprised if Elzey didn't get at least Hank Beatty reps, right? Like yeah, a couple handful of reps yeah. a game. Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna buy that he's not gonna play. Like in my mind, I think Malik Elzey's gonna play. How is this team gonna score without Chase Brown, Brad P.S.? What do you think? Jordan? Welcome to the question, Brad. That's the question. Um, I don't. I think. Still going to run the ball. Could you be better in the red zone? Because if there's one flaw of Chase Brown, it's that he does not move the pile. Like he can he can move guys in the open field. Like if somebody's trying to tackle him, he's going to drag that guy. But he does not really move. He's just not a huge guy. He's ripped, but he's 205 pounds, right? So like if you get Josh McCray and Jordan Anderson, Caden Fagan, whoever it is, or even a Luke Altmaier to run a little bit more, uh, I thought they could use Tommy DeVito's legs more in the red zone. Like I think that's a lot on Barry. I think the red zone is more on Barry, but I do think if there's one weakness of Chase Brown, it's I think Barry like relied on him a little bit too much as the guy to get the ball rather than the decoy or you know run a boot with Tommy DeVito and hey, there's Tip Ryman open in the end zone. Yeah, I, I would. I've been trying to figure out how to frame this to Barry Lunny. Um, like, was there? an inherent like just a an instinct like well this guy's a doke walker finalist of course we have to give him the ball on the yeah. two yard line like did chase brown's talent just maybe skew your approach and josh mccray not being healthy yeah like i think you got some big back options down there i think you're gonna you're probably gonna you know an ideal world luke altmeyer's throwing for for some touchdowns like i chase brown wasn't a touchdown machine now like when, when you talk about those end of season awards, one of the knocks was, hey, he's not in the end zone enough. Yep. So, I, I mean, I, I don't, you're not losing 25 touchdowns from your running back at this point. You, you're you losing a good running back, but yeah. there's, there's other ways they can get the ball. I think Tip Ryman is a big, to your point, I think if you start getting him more comfortable, more consistent in that passing game, that's a, Tip's a huge dude. Yeah. Like, he's a huge dude in the red zone. You know who was as good of a red zone guy as anybody last year? Isaiah Williams. I think of how many tough touchdowns he had in the red. Like, I think he can get – I think part of it's play calling, but part of it personnel as well. The offensive line didn't block very well uh, in the red zone. But, of course, when you know the ball is going to Chase Brown, it's a little bit easier to defend uh, as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that comes out. It's a huge part of the season. And we'll wrap up. How did we blow this one, Joey? The number one storyline of the spring of the offseason, new uniforms. 
Drew brings it up. I'm sure you guys will discuss the release of new uniforms as it's definitely one of the top spring storylines. He uses sarcasm font detector there, Joey. I, I need a beer. It's a big storyline. Listen, I, I get the intro. Brett Beam was said it's not going to be a huge change. So I think it's going to be, I think a black eye is still going to be the thing. I don't. Orange. It's going to be an he orange. He loves element. orange. Orange. There's not a lot of schools who use orange. He loves it. He yeah. loves it because it's it's there's a degree of uniqueness to it. There's a degree of identification to it. Okay, the, Jade Naps had just re, had just tweeted, "Run it back, Illini Nation." Can can we get? We need to con- confirm. Like, does that mean he's back? <laughs> Run it back. Does it mean it's back, Joey? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I got to text somebody be like, all right, is he definitely back? Like, can we say I am returning? I, I need that from all of these guys when they tweet these. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, we're an hour and 12 minutes in the podcast. We had two basketball returners who, well, one and a half, I think. Uh, <laughs> no, that's great news. I mean, you see Jade Neff's tweet, run it back, Illini Nation. To get him a day and age, we talked about on, with Piper last week, continuity is for me, the biggest thing about this offseason. If you want to build something, and it's really difficult to get these guys to come back, even Dane Gen Epps, guys we had questions about, right? Um, guys that didn't have the greatest body language late in the year. But to get those guys bought in for another year, um, I think is, is huge news because you want to be able to build with these guys. And, you know, you go through some tough times the first time you get on the court, but to, to come back and learn from that and grow from that, I think is is huge. That's what that's what you need, and and you want guys who've been part of this team know what the standard is, know how Brad Underwood coaches, know what the the idea of everything they do is. Um, I think that's really important. So I think Lou Goody has announced he's back. I don't think we've really had questions about Ty Rogers. Sincere Harris deleted his tweet that he said he was coming back, so we'll find out on that. But man, if you can get most of these guys come back, I, I would love to see RJ Melendez back. Um, I think you feel really good about that. And then add a couple transfers that complement all those guys. Jaden Epps gets points for me because he unknowingly, I like to think of him as listening to this podcast. And knowing, Oh, that was not Jaden Epps. That was that we were duped. Oh, golly. We were get duped. a life. Get a damn life. Piper retweeted it, and then I retweeted it. We were duped. Imagine having the God that pisses those me people, off. those people, I'm sorry, and I'm the sure. greatest yeah, part of it, Joey, we have it live recorded <laughs> that we were duped. Uh, I can I, I can blame Piper, but it's I, I I didn't look myself. Imagine you could be like playing video games or watching TV, and instead you decide to make a <laughs> fake Twitter account. God, those people. Sorry, guys, for whoever's listening. That's... Yeah, but Dane Danger, that's his actual account. Yeah. <laughs> that's his actual account. But anyway, uh, to get back to the question, do you think there's going to be a script thing with Illinois football? They've had more gear. Like, you get a little Illini script at the top instead of the, the shield at the top of the neckline? I don't know. I know they're excited. I'm so annoyed. Uh, I know they're excited about them. Uh, and, and look, real deep dive. Their equipment manager, I'm drawing a blank on his name. I, I'm, I can see the assistant equipment manager in my mind. Uh, he's a really plugged in guy and he's really well known, well respected. Um, it, it sounds weird to say that. Maybe some people don't quite 
I want to say Jake, but it's not Jake. He's the assistant. Uh, some people don't quite follow it, but like they're, they're excited about the the uniforms. I don't think we're going to see them until the fall. Like maybe later in the summer, but it's, I do not think we're going to see them until the fall. I could see late summer, but do we get any more questions in about jerseys? Like we are not going to like we will ask Bielma about it again at some point later this spring because you guys uh, are asking him. I won't. Um, Go for it. Yeah, I'll ask him at some point, but like they're going to announce that. Like that's a that's, things I care more about. That's a social media thing. Like that, they're yeah. going to announce that on social media. Yes, that is all. Like they are going to just swim in the inner engagements and all that that come with putting that out there on social media. I have 150 other things I'd rather ask Brett Bielema than uh, what about those those jerseys? Huh? Don't care. We'll see him when we see him. Yeah, I'm, I say that I'm already a little annoyed because we just got duped on a freaking live <laughs> pod. It happened. Like, hey, they did they did a good job of copying everything. So kudos, they got me. Some guy just uh, tweeted it at me that I got do. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I was uh, doing a podcast, saw it retweeted, and didn't look into it. So that's my fault. It happens to the best of us. We're all human. Good life. <laughs> Good God. I say get a life as we sit on Twitter all freaking day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's another part of this offseason you got to love. Like, did, did that guy, is that like the greatest day of that guy's year right there? The guy who did that? Is that the greatest day of his year? Like that, that I retweeted that, the Piper retweeted that, that. Like, is it? <laughs> Jake Ross. Thank th- you, Drew. Drew, thank you, Drew. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just wondering the psychology of doing that. Just why? Like, do you go back with it? Like, is it's probably some college kid or something or high school kid? <laughs> like, and and they're sitting there with their buddies. Like, remember that time I got? Yeah. Hey, good for you. Joey's more yeah, pissed not, about this than I am. I'm so annoyed. I just don't understand. I, I, like, I don't understand the interest and. In, doing that all right we're gonna wrap this up tomorrow we'll have michael tulip on the podcast we'll do something live i think we're gonna do about 1 p.m central time we will talk a little bit of illinois basketball we do have dane danger announcing his return we'll break that down with with michael Tulip. but joy wagner besides the duping uh this is a good podcast man appreciate your insight yeah it was fun uh it is nice to have spring football back to cover like let's end on that. like it is it's fun. This team is intriguing. I wish we could see more. I know like maybe 15% of the fans care that we can't see more, but we care. Yeah. We wish we could. We're going to do the best with what we can. Uh, 40 minutes has been fine. I, yeah, I wish there was more, but we'll, we'll give, you, give you the best spring coverage we can give you without seeing much. Yeah, they, uh, you know, Brett Beal, I think, heard all he needed to know uh, when Scott Frost <laughs> did not know what was coming. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'd like to know more about the team. I'd like to see some one-on-ones just to see personnel. Uh, I, I'm not going to try and give away scheme and all those things. So that's a shame. 
But I will say this, Bielma does give us a lot of players, a lot of coaches. I, I love being able to get assistant coaches. We get some insight. So you can keep tuned to Illini Inquirer about that. So for Joey Wagner, I'm Jeremy Warner. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. If you're on the live YouTube stream or you watch it on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe to us. We really appreciate the, the support on that side of things as well. So everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other, except for that one dude who's faking people on Twitter. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.